All right, well, I started it up, so let's roll. another episode of the of the pitcast it's me carter i'm here with moss hey hey at the moss house we're back to recording in this slightly more cavernous but still very accommodating space Mm -hmm. and we're joined by two newly minted lords of the pit go ahead and introduce yourselves gentlemen my name is you blank that's it? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> e- 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 blank. Blank is his last name. Yeah, blank is his last name. Yeah. I bet you never heard that. Because some people might think it's like Ian redacted. Yeah. No, literally it's everybody. Ian. I'm David Velasco. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, finally good to, to have you guys. I think it's been, it's definitely been an idea of ours for some time. I think, I think what we're trying to do is get all of the newly minted Lords in on the, in on the cast, mm-hmm. kind of try to, I don't know, pick, pick everyone's brain. Like a big, a big part of what we're doing here is just to give people or whoever, whoever listens just a taste of what goes on in Chicago and the different personalities. Right. It's part of an overall overarching idea of getting not just the new Lords, but you know, as many Lords as possible involved too. I think, I think so. Yeah. But, no, nobody wants to listen to me. Just <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Eventually this podcast will just be you and me arguing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fine too. That's creative content. Yeah, but. It's not bad. We were just, we were just, before we turned the podcast out, we were just talking about like how Moss just sees things in terms of content. Yeah. He's just always processing. He's like, ooh, that conversation <laughs> could have been recorded. That editorial eye. <laughs> um, well, we're here to uh, kind of shine a flashlight on on both of you, get you talking about how you got into uh, old school and the scene, because uh, as I was talking about earlier, you guys, like me, don't have, I don't, I don't think the, the driving force for us three is nostalgia. And when people talk about old school, that is one of the most powerful uh, uh, feelings and emotions associated with it. The ability to go back to your childhood, oh, but things are simpler, and oh, God, I remember using Jen and Hypnotic Spectre and, and all that stuff. But since we are um, the younger dudes, uh, there's probably some other force that is bringing you into this. And if I were to hazard a guess, it would probably be um, a the, the old school is such a subversion of magic and magic culture as we know it. So you spend a bit of time doing things as you're supposed to, and then you kind of discover the the underground. Yeah, it's definitely that way. Because I started in 2012 with Return to Ravnica, and I liked those sets, and then just played casually for many for like for almost four years. And then I picked up Modern, and then EDH, and then I saw the opportunities of cards that you can have in EDH versus Modern. And I slowly mm-hmm. left the competitive and became a more casual player, and saw Old School and thought, well, if I can just play with cool old cards. So when you were playing casually initially, are we talking not even at a game shop? Just Not even at a game shop, shop, just in high school, during free periods, mm-hmm. with just random cards from packs. To try to assemble decks with friends who had also done the same thing, who also started at around, you know, Return to Ravnica. It sounds, yeah, it, sa- it sounds like a similar story to, to many, just kind of on a different timeline. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I always, the person who taught me the game was competitive. 
Oh, okay. And so I always, I, I feel like I did get to spend very long in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> I maybe, I maybe got like two months of like going of like, I started with Zendikar super late. Okay. And the way that I understood the game is you pick a tribe. You pick goblins or vampires or elves and like that's what magic is. You just pick the the type of creature that you want to play with. Like ma- like magic to me were just like tribal decks. Um so I picked vampires and my friend who, you know, played it uh, like PTQs and stuff like that. He let me fuck around with, but you know, and he put something together, you know, to kind of match the power. And then he brought his like Shards of Alara era Jund deck and just absolutely destroyed me. And I realized really early on that like there are, there are levels. And so he was, I mean, he wasn't like a, like a sharky guy, but that's, that's how he understood the game. And so it really didn't take me long to get over to a card shop and start, you know, playing. Uh, I actually, I, I started on Modern too. I, it took me like a couple months and then he's like, well, the, the format that I actually play is this. So it kind of went forward from there. Yeah, none of my friends were competitive at all because we all, like, I didn't have any, any friends that played Magic. We all started at the same time. Oh, that's we, cool. we all played, you know, video games together or I played Yu-Gi-Oh! with, with other friends. And uh, one friend came over to my house with a fat pack and was like, mm-hmm. you can have half of these packs and we'll just <laughs> learn the game together. And we weren't playing correctly at all. But eventually, you know, we learned the game and uh, kind of went from there. It, it, I'm, I'm surprised that it's taken you um, this long to get a game of old school EDH in, being such a, having such a history with it. Yeah, well, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what I wanted to play in Old School EDH, because my main play style is stacks. Because I play Campbell Prison stacks in regular competitive EDH, mm-hmm. and that deck is nasty. I see David just yeah. shaking his head over here. Just so <laughs> many terrible Very memories. degenerate deck. And I was trying to figure out a, an affordable stacks deck to play with uh, in Old School EDH. And I finally came up with a list. It's just getting the cards. I've come up with something. Well, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. We already have such a hard time in that format with lack of creatures, right? So now we have a dude who's throwing down the gauntlet and saying, I will just bring a, a stacks technology to this format, and it's just going to get even worse. It can't get any worse than it already is, though. So It's funny how, yeah, your your taste in, in loving prison, it's like, oh, like old school couldn't have more cards available oh, for yeah. like that type of... Absolutely perfect. Archetype. Yeah. And you'll, you, once... Once Shane plays Living Plane, then it's like <laughs> all bets are off. Because then you're holding on to Wrath of God with your finger on the big red nuclear button waiting to blow up the just, world. Just being like, all right, guys, no yeah. no sudden movements. Let's yeah. take it easy. Yeah, you don't think of Living Plane as a prison card, but it kind of is, right? Yeah, it's a hostage taking card. It definitely it is. is. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. What about you? So, um... I actually kind of started Magic in the very traditional bought a box full of someone else's jank from a garage sale when yeah. I was 10 or 11. Oh, that's so pure! With, you know, such wonderful cards as, like, I think there were at least, like, 20, like, carapaces in my in my box. The homelands and jank. <laughs> oh, there was so much homelands in that box. <laughs> like, it probably was mostly homelands, actually. And a little bit of Ice Age. Um, I think there was a little bit of alliances in there. Nothing crazy. Yeah. And then... I played really just with my friend who played Pokemon with me beforehand. Um, we had no idea what we were doing at all. Eventually, like I think for my birthday, I asked for like the beatdown box set featuring um, premium foils of Ernam Jin and Sengir Vampire. Yeah. Oh, a little <laughs> taste of what's to come. A yeah. little taste. Something that we've actually, I think in my first few games of old school, Ian and I actually had a few of those back and forth because he was still playing black-white at the time. Um and I was just building up the uh, Mono Green Berserk deck, which I'm still playing today. Cool. It's a lot of fun. But um, I really didn't ever play anything in a formal tournament until way later on. So I, I played one at our community rec center in my little town, um, borrowed my friend's Goblins deck, which honestly, like looking back, that's probably the one that I loved the most of like just any experience I had playing Magic at that age was just rolling these other kids with someone else's goblin sec that was way better than the pile of homelands crap I had brought with me. <laughs> yeah. Like that was my first plan. Plan A was play the pile of homelands crap with like a Leviathan shoved in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then it ended up being, I'll just borrow this actually well-tuned deck. And I got second, opened like, what, two, three packs of Mirrodin at the time, and then promptly quit playing Magic for like 10 years. Uh, was it So was it Goblins as we know it with like Piledriver and Matron and Lackey and oh, yes. all the absurd cards? It was okay. gross. It was, it was gnarly. <laughs> do you have that deck put together for middle school? I do, yeah. That was... So I ended up building that deck um, for my little brother because he doesn't play a whole lot of Magic anymore, but mm -hmm. we really enjoyed it for a while, and he was looking at like middle school and like even pre-modern decks, and he thought, I'd love to try that deck. I'm like, okay, well, I have half of those cards. I can pick up the rest for pretty cheap, and then we have an excuse to play again. So that ended up being a really cool thing uh, for us just with that. And really, like, middle school, like, I loved it because it was so easy to build decks so easy to pick up these new, like, weird ideas that kind of, like, played with the kind of stuff that I like doing in Magic. And I could literally, like, I still do this. I'll go to, like, FNM, and instead of playing the tournament, I'll just throw my middle school decks at people and just force them to play with me in between rounds. What do you like, think of it? A lot of them like it. Like, I'm getting, like, actual middle schoolers to play middle school with me, which is the funniest <laughs> thing in the world. It's more than just a clever name. We're, we're literally breaking them. We took a kid who played Burn, and I threw him my uh, Teamer deck, the uh, the Miracle Grow deck. So he's casting Force of Wills, and he's casting Counterspells and AKs, and he's enjoying it, and it's like, slowly but surely, we kind of worked him into playing blue cards in Modern, and... Now we've just kind of ruined him. It's great. Oh, yeah. Turn him into yet another control player. We've Perfect. already ruined him. It's <laughs> wonderful. So as far as old school, uh, I actually have Ian to blame for that one. So we really only met playing Modern at our store. Um, he was playing his... What, field... what store is that? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, so we played at the Chicago Clubhouse up yep. in the suburbs in Glenview. Okay. And Ian was playing his Filthy Tron deck, as per usual. <laughs> I was running Dredge, which... I loved that deck for a very, very long time, but I feel like that was actually kind of part of the catalyst for me wanting to not play competitive as much anymore. Um, you burned out on it? I got really burned out on it. Mm -hmm. Like, I loved the, the mechanics of it, and I loved, like, how, like, explosive it could be. But then after a while, like, I would hit these periods of just, like, I, I got sick of playing it over and over and over again. And I got sick of the fact that the sideboard games felt very coin flippy, felt very much, like dependent on cyber cards on both sides. And at that time, um, I was starting to like play around with like these really bad modern decks that I called uh, Cards from My Binder, where I literally would just take all like the old standard cards I liked playing with, like Savage Knuckleblade and like Stubborn Denial, and then shove those into a pile and just try and roll FNM with it. And it worked out for the most part. Um, I was actually having more fun doing that than anything else. And it, it probably should have been a clearer sign there that... I like casual magic a lot more than I like trying to play meta decks, trying to play decks that are really trying to win all the time. And instead, like, I end up taking that to, like, a Star City Open and, like, killed someone with a Fleetwell Cruiser that I cast off of a Chandra. Like, just weird things that you don't expect to see, like, when you're doing, like, reasonably well. And it's just like, I'm, I'm just going to beat you down with stupid old standard cards that you don't ever want to see again. Hmm. And old school kind of really filled that void for me of, like, these are cards that I don't ever see anyone else playing in any other format. Things like Scavenger Folk was probably one of my first favorite cards to play with in old school. Um, I think I had, what, three Whirling Dervish in my main board of the first build of that green deck. Like, literally just all of these, like, fun little, like, tiny things that ended up being a really, really fun experience in Magic. And then... What was it like um, with the reduction in power level going from modern sets back to... Scavenger folk, a one one for one that you have to sack. To yeah, how, yeah. Like, <laughs> why did you become endeared to? Was it just a novelty? I think it was the fact that I was actually like, I felt like I was playing magic again. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was actually casting cards. I was really thinking about what I was doing more. And then even like the turns where I'm just berserking people with Ernam Jin, like that was still a lot of fun for me because it was like it's exciting to like have to plan those out and like not have to worry about getting hit by, like, I don't know, some random crappy modern counter for, like, Logic Knot or something weird like that. Mm -hmm. Like, the thinking is similar, but it's still very different. And what I liked, too, was, like, I just let more loose. Like, I, I think just the way that I thought about magic kind of completely changed when I started, like, flipping Chaos Orbs and, like... You realize you know, how ridiculous it is. Oh, it was fun. Yeah. yeah. It was super fun. And... You know, 
really just by perfect luck, um, maybe what, two or three weeks out from the Players Ball last year, um, I saw that spots opened up on the uh, the general Discord. And I was like, I'll just, I might as well just register now. And I bought the last cards I needed. We went up uh, together, me and Ian, and honestly, we had like the best time. It was fantastic. It was probably one of the best tournaments I had ever been to in my entire life. That was 2018. That was 2018, yeah. And yeah. that was your first. That was my old first school old school event ever. Yeah. I did one at Gen Con just a few weeks prior to that, which was different because it had a judge and was in a. <laughs> it was in an actual magic setting, even though Gen Con really isn't. We had a judge in 2018, didn't we? There was one running around. Not an actual, not a judge wearing a judge uniform saying judge things. That's true. In 2018, I think, I think, wasn't Ben no, like our kind Madison. of unofficial? That was in Madison. That was in Madison. I know he's been kind of elected a judge. I just, I never, um, I guess I never re, I actually, I think I remember saying this to you or, or somebody this year. I just was kind of thinking out loud about the about the players ball and I was just thinking I wonder for how many people this is their first old school tournament. I wonder for how many people this is the catalyst that gets gets people in. And sometimes it can be tiring running big events but um just to just to hear that makes me really happy, you know that like it is still it is still so important to hold this event because it is this is this beacon that draws people in, and who knows? I mean, you two have become known as like some of the most eccentric deck builders <laughs> in the in the club. Backhanded so, compliment, right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I kind of I kind of wanted to ask both of you, um, because you both are are coming from a sort of similar space regarding uh, budget, I'd say. So when you came into the format and you're playing against a bunch of people who are playing fully powered, all these, you know, atrocious cards, ancestral, you know, time walk, all that stuff. Is that, um, is it, is it frustrating as a budget player? Is it, are you, are you saving up for these things? Are you kind of happy with where you're at? Are you playing in spite of all that stuff? Is it a goal? How do you, what's, what's the dic the dichotomy? It there? can be frustrating, especially when, it's obvious that like time walk is making a major effect on the game. Like it's leading to your opponent scoring more points, and like I'm just like I'm clearly winning even though I have less life. I'm casting time walk and doing something silly like uh, like regrowthing ancestral or something, <laughs> something something stupid, drawing six cards. Yeah, uh, but sometimes it doesn't matter because it's magic and it's there's RNG involved. So you might draw three garbage cards, and then I still have a, a commanding lead since I run. You know, on a Borea deck. Sure. <laughs> Which, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure both of you have beaten plenty of Ancestral Recalls. Yeah. You know, just to, just to get here. I That was just something that... Yeah, that definitely... Um, like, I just... At this last player ball, thanks to Bill, I was able to get a CE Mox Jet for my Mono Black deck. Nice. Because I, I really just enjoy playing, uh, like, pure Mono Black mm -hmm. uh, alongside my weird Arborea deck. Uh, and that helped a lot with the 95 event because, you know, power was legal for that, of course, because uh, it's old school plus, in a sense. Uh, if, if I could briefly segue, uh, or not segue, but interject there. So this gets to Ian's uh, Mox Jet in our match, and, and uh, spoiler alert, Ian stomped me. Was it <laughs> three or was it two? It was in three. Three? Okay. I, I think it was game one. I had to play... I went bizarre, binned three dudes, like a ghoul or a shadow and a um, jizz engine, pass a turn. Ian goes, swamp, jet, animates my jizz engine out of my bin. And that's the jet, boy! And you felt that, that raw oh, power. Yeah. Yeah. And it oh, definitely it adds a lot, yes. but it doesn't always... But in that scenario, that, that was but the in those in those scenarios, it, it, it gives you a lot. I don't think I want to necessarily you know buy into that because it's all really expensive especially a cu lotus is like mm -hmm. you know a thousand dollars or above and it's a thousand dollars for a single card in my my opinion is ridiculous mm -hmm. uh, but i know like with my aborea deck I've, I've focused it on you know this is a, an issue i've had in all the iterations previous to the current one i think and david's helped with this because i've playtested against him a lot is you 
I wanted to focus the deck and I've been doing too many things with it. And because of my budget, it's I'm using subpar cards like Falwar Stone or Birds of Paradise. Now those aren't bad cards, they're great cards, but they don't they're not direct replacements for a Lotus or a Mox. So you can't really just put in a birds and, and say you're good to go. Because it's not a turn one card that you can use right away and it's a it's a creature, so it can easily die, or it can be fought with like a tracker or something, <laughs> which happens all too often. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, comes up against so many people who aren't this guy right here. <laughs> so it's it's not that great. And I know the deck would be better with with power, more consistent, more able to to be resilient. Because I've gotten it to the point where I only lose to Fireball. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, which is a classic way to lose. Everyone seems to run Mirror Fireball, so you know it's just uh, it's part of your old school starter lose. kid. Yeah, right. Yeah, you get a Chaos Orb and a Fireball. Yeah, but I did. I do have a Chaos Orb, which no longer is really that much of a budget card. Mm-hmm. No, it's not because I I got I was able to get my I have an international edition one, fancy. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, they're, they're a little bit European. Darker, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's for relatively cheap, yeah, there's way, mm-hmm. way less. For relatively cheap, the colors, uh, yeah. when I started playing, before I had anybody to play with. Because I wanted to play at the 2017 Players Ball. but And I had a mono black deck built, but I wasn't 21. So I couldn't actually. <laughs> wow! Well, would you yeah. look at that? Man, you needed a fake ID to get into the yeah. 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 So you had to, Oh, that's so, so cool. Just, so you had the desire. Jacob yeah. could have printed him fake IDs. <laughs> yeah, that's his other bit of t shirts. <laughs> fake IDs for Magic players. That's yeah. what's behind like, the curtain yeah. to the other room. Yeah. It's just like yeah. government. Yeah, they looked behind the curtain. <laughs> No, I've never. Okay, well, it's what's, like a Wizard of Oz. What's the, um, of course it is. Remember that scene in Freaks and Geeks where they get fake IDs? Uh, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> You're losing me on that one, man. I'm not a big fan of what's-his-face, Seth Rogen, and what's that other ding-dong's name? The, the main ding-dong from, from Freaks oh. and Geeks? Yeah. Um, Was that Siegel? James Franco. Oh, Franco. Yeah, yeah Seth Rogen, Franco, and, and Jason Stiegel. Siegel? Mm. I can't even picture which dude is that. He's like the tall, lanky dude in the show who really likes um, John Bonham. He's a drummer. Yeah. He dates Lindsay. For I mean, I've seen that show a couple of times, but I just never got into it. But mm. it became this like touchstone thing, especially with a lot of those guys. You know, when the careers took off later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Epito mm-hmm. Epito produced it. But anyway, <laughs> All right, yeah. I like going, going I back like to playing budget. It's nice to play or like semi budget with a few non budget cards, and I like you know it feels much better when you when you beat a player that has. Uh, oh yeah, like full power and yeah, and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff in dual lands, which I don't have. Yes. I only have one dual land, and it stays in my EDH deck. So you've never you've never pulled it out for purposes of old school. No. I'm gonna guess that it's a Bayou. No, it's a scrub land. Oh, it's scrub. <laughs> okay, I was thinking. Yeah, no. I was thinking. Black, and it's black. it's in a it's like a French scrub land too, mm-hmm. so it's extra cheap. Ooh, uh, French French uh, white border. Yeah, white border. Wow, those like fifty dollars foreign white border duels look. Awesome. It looks great. It has way better colors. Yeah, but it is. I mean, it's in French. So, what, <laughs> dude? What's the what's the what's the, the French? French doesn't look as good as English. It's <laughs> like, yeah, but it's French. Yeah, but I mean, France. <laughs> what is this? Two thousand two. Oh my god! Everyone was like, it's freedom, freedom prize. <laughs> it was just this like casual I hatred of, about that, of yeah. the French people. Remember that? Oh, they yeah. were cowards, you know, this and that. Um, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. You get to hold on to that satisfaction of being the underdog. Yeah. You know, like a chip on the shoulder. If I, but you do, you got the little chip on the shoulder. You got all the fucking power. I don't. Well, if I beat you, I know it's because like David and Goliath kind of. Definitely David and Goliath. You know what? Some people just like to be the underdog. I know. I like to feel that way because if I'm ever the overdog, then if I lose. You know what I mean? I've got no one to blame but myself. But if, if I can always blame like the suboptimal card choices, then I never, never need to you know accept responsibility for <laughs> the way that I play. So that's great. Carter, the first time we played, you were playing the deck against me over at Map Room. I was playing the Speaking of the undertow, wow. <laughs> So actually, was um, he using those damn um, counter spells? He was like jokers or whatever. What are they? Jack? Jacks. They're jacks. Yeah. yeah, those piss me off. So <laughs> those trigger me. Interestingly enough, this actually kind of like segues into my like position on on how I pick up power and whether or not like it's you know important to me. And sure, that day at Map Room, it was like the week after the Players Ball. 
Carter was like, if I'm going to play the deck against you, let me at least buy you a beer first. <laughs> As, you know, any, you know, self-respecting deck player would say. Yeah, that's right. So we, we're sitting at the bar, and we're just, you know, chatting a little bit about, like, how how I got in and, like, you know, why I decided on, like, mono green. And one thing that we talked about was this idea of, like, old school sometimes requires you making this sort of, like, sacrifice from, like, your former magic life. Something that, like, it's, like, a very, like, cathartic kind of moment. And for me... Um, that was selling a lot of my modern staples. Um, yeah. I think maybe a few months later, I was in Milwaukee at the GP. Literally no interest in playing at the actual GP. Uh, Ian and I were just playing middle school at one of the side tables and watching <laughs> all these like fucking like tournament grinders walk by and look at what the hell we're doing. Yeah. That's how, it's yep. exactly how old school was for us at the, at the card shop. Uh, Shane and Danny and Jaco and Dom would play and people like moths to a flame. Like, exactly. they sucked me in. Yeah. yeah. And, like, at that point, I was like, well, Card or Channel Fireball has a Mox Emerald, a CE Mox Emerald in their case. Like, well, I can maybe just get rid of some of this crap that I'm never going to play again that's just sitting in my binder. And I walk over with this stack. I actually showed it to Ian first. It was a good stack. It was a pretty good stack. <laughs> I, I used to be, like, a foil hoarder for, like, a long, long time. Yeah. Mm. And... I dropped the stack over at, at Channel Fireball. They're like, oh, we don't have any cash. I'm like, well, that's fine. I'll take credit. And I ended up um, having enough to get the mocks plus, like, a bayou and a bunch of other, like, random middle school stuff that I just wanted. Sweet. But, like, the whole point for me was, like, I didn't feel bad at all, like, losing all of my modern stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I really didn't care anymore. You're ready to turn the page. I, yeah. Exactly. And yeah. the same thing happened when I got my time walk was I was kind of, like, at first I was joking that as soon as Faithless Living got banned, I would just take my dredge deck, throw it in, like, a nice frame and hang it on my wall to remember forever. Yeah. Because I, at, at that point, I had the deck fully foiled out, like... Oh, boy. I had really spent some time with that deck. And I thought about it for a little while, and I'm like, why don't I just sell these cards because I don't even care anymore? Like, it's not worth it to me. Right. So I, I walked myself over to Pastimes and handed them basically the majority of my deck, and picked up a time walk some uh onslaught bloodstained myers and and that was that like so you have that collector's itch then right if you put the time in to foiling out oh yeah deck so then how do you scratch that itch in the old school context beyond just like doing the big trade so for me one of the really cool things that i like in old school is the signature aspect and really just the fun of like having unique cards yeah the fun of damaging cards purposefully Mm -hmm. with like signatures (laughs) or like or altering too like so I think the week before the player's ball, I was sitting in my kitchen painting on my giant growths oh, yeah. just just for fun because it's like I need to bring something that's kind of fun to this tournament because that's that just makes sense to me. Like, why wouldn't I have something fun in my deck? And now, like, you know, a year out, like, I have more signatures. I have a card from Shaman Ben that he just handed me at um, at our meetup over at Demon the night before at Contracts. Yeah, yeah. Like, those are the cards that are so important to me now. It's like... I could care less about whether or not they're, like, minty and nice. I could, you know, I love having damaged cards. Like, those are fun. Yep. For me, cards like that give you a sense of place Mm because usually you remember, well, if it's signed by everybody in an event, the Mm -hmm. name of the event or the date is probably on there, right? Or if there's an altar, Mm -hmm. you know, you just remember doing the altar. Or or if somebody gave you something, you remember that instance. And so it it imbues the cards with a sense of place. And and hopefully that's the stuff that you're able to retain for a long time. Mm -hmm. Exactly, Versus yeah. just like, yeah, I went online and, um, you know, I sniped an eBay auction. <laughs> and yeah, I got a good sick deal on the card. But beyond that, it doesn't have a whole lot of value. Exactly. And at this point, like, I'm that's, that's yeah. my next step is like really like finding ways to make those cards that I did just, you know, go buy online have more meaning to me. So like my script sprites I just got from Ray actually the morning of the player's ball. And, you know, I love Ray. Ray is such a sweet guy. Um, I remember our first games, he was screaming about frontier justice the entire time <laughs> as I was berserking him out of the building. But, like, but like really, like, I think the biggest changeover that I started seeing, like, as I got more into this was, like, I went from, like, meeting someone new at every table to, like, getting, like, handshakes and hugs from every guy that, like, I've known now for, like, the past year, the people that I love ran into and love spending time with. Mm-hmm. And I think that is really like the important thing for me. Like I, I like that I'm like starting to build more into power. I, I like the journey of that, but I think the more important part of the journey for me is all the people that I'm meeting. And it is this community that we've kind of gotten more ingrained into. Yeah. I definitely empathize with that. 
the more time you spend, the deeper the relationships get. Mm -hmm. And you spend more time doing non-magic stuff, and it's just altogether more satisfying. A part of me is jealous of um, being on that road, you know, like collecting each piece. I remember, honestly, I remember getting each piece of power, like, individually. And, I like, I remember where I was for pretty much every single one. And it, it you know, it's, it's, it's a journey, you know. And it doesn't need to happen within a year or two or even five. But, like... It's, it is, it is kind of a, kind of a hallmark. So it's cool. It's cool that, you know, someone it's, it, it's, um, I think it's cool to be at peace with just having one to two pieces, you know, and knowing, you know, Hey, maybe this is something in the future or maybe it'll never be something. Uh, I think a lot of people have that, uh, restless feeling, you know, there's, there's this, I think a lot of us, myself included, are kind of trained, well-trained in the arts of immediate gratification. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember playing old school when I wasn't fully powered and that, and that feeling of wanting, but not having is this kind of like hunger and drive that keeps you, that keeps you going. It's actually a very, I think it's very positive emotion. So that's cool. Um, well, I'll then segue into, um, back into our 95 event that both of you played in. This is, um, if you haven't listened to the past uh, past episodes where we talk about 95, this is a seasonal thing in Chicago, and I miss it already. I was talking to you about this the other day. I'm like, wouldn't it be fine if we just used Ice Age basics and disenchants and swords and stuff? The answer is no. The answer to that is no. And the reason it's no is because we have our 95, our post-old school ball, pre-eternal weekend, 95 rush, our season, right? It's what, four to six weeks, we get it all out of our system and we put it to bed for the rest of the year. So you get to see all the sick arts. You get to use, you know, dust off your necros, dust off your brainstorms. Mm-hmm. I get to dust off reanimator. <laughs> <laughs> and we just have, that, have at it for a few weeks and then it's back to the, to the, to the grind. Right. So as someone who loves mono black, for you, in necro must have been just a no-brainer, right? Oh, yeah. I played it last year. I played... I didn't, I didn't know anything about 95, and I didn't have that much time to come up design my own thing. So I just kind of copied a list that was from the era and kind of re- retooled it mm-hmm. to uh, my budget and played that, and I did okay. I think I had a positive record last year, but this year it was great. had time, uh, day, day before, put my own deck, and uh, got second place somehow. Hell That's yeah. so sweet. Yeah, which is yeah. great. Which is probably, is that the highest finish you've had? Yeah, so far? that's yeah, the yeah. Uh, only positive record I've had in the last year. <laughs> Woo! Yes! Positive record 95 event, positive record uh, 95 event. Okay, so what do you what do you contribute that to? Um, I feel like mono black is a easy, easy, in quotes, deck to play. It's not actually that difficult to kind of just get in good value, and I main boarded uh, Reanimator. Reanimates and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Underworld Dreams, and both of those were great. Yeah. Um, How many Reanimators? Did you play Halman? Uh, he had a Reanimator of this, too? No, I only played you. Oh, okay. It was only good against in our game. Okay, sure. And uh, the rest of the games, it was, it was just a discard off of Necro. It was a Hail Mary. It was a Hail Mary. Mono Black might be easy to play with, but Necropone certainly is not. Always maintained that, like the amount to Necro for. I, I think in your games, because uh, we played, and I think I noticed that you would n- always Necro just to fill your hand. Yep. So if you had four cards in hand, you'd Necro for three to to just to fill it. You'd never go for the. It's just it's just impossible to know what to do there, right? It's like well, it's you not just Necro a combo. No, it's no. not. It was just to get more men. So I ran eleven Black Knights. So I ran three Black Knights and four Orders and four Knight of Strom, Strom Glad, I think, yeah, is yeah. the card. Strom it's just another order. So he ran eight Orders and three Black Knights. So 11 mm-hmm. Black Knights. Yeah. Uh, and that was just really good because they're really good. Yes. I mean, you could swing. You have enough mana. You can just swing in with one of those Orders or Knights uh, for a bunch of damage. Right. Like really early. And then you run Drain Lifes and uh, my new pet card is Imprison, which no one runs. Uh, and it's so it's, it's so so good. It's just better than Paralyze. Tell the people uh, about how you played the TCG player damaged roulette. Oh, so I only buy cards damaged. 
It's a, as a rule, it's cheaper and they, <laughs> they look great. You just never know what you're going to get, yeah, right? Sometimes, I mean, I got... It's like buying distressed jeans. Yeah, right, exactly. I bought it's a... Like a um, bunch of like a hip move. <laughs> I bought an Imperial Seal damaged, and it was near mint. Uh, and wow. the damaged thing. And then I bought a Mox, Mox Diamond damaged, and it was completely waterlogged. So, I mean, you get, you get, the, full, you get the full gambit of, yeah. of damaged cards. But I think the best damaged card I got was I bought it in prison for like four bucks, and it came... Chris Rush signed. That is just the and best. I, I bet it's the only in prison that is signed by Chris Rush. Cause there can't be that many. Yeah, or, or very few. Can right. you say what in prison does real quick? In prison is a one black enchant creature, and it has a few effects. Whenever that creature attacks, taps, or blocks, you I, as the owner of the in prison, can mm-hmm. pay one and counter it, and the creature stays tapped or is tapped. So it's one generic mana to uh, mm. essentially counter a creature's block, attack, or activated ability. So in that slot, we, we've seen Paralyze, we've seen Weakness, yep. but you elect to play Imprison just because it's so flexible. It's extremely flexible. I usually don't need to spend all of my mana. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really good to just put on a Juzamjin, which is going to continually ping the opponent. <laughs> <laughs> or, or a Saren himself also okay. ping the opponent. Yeah. And then uh, if I need to attack in, I can just pay for the uh, counter block. And then it just stays tapped. Or against your uh, deep spawn that one game. Yeah. It was either I put it on there, and then you can't use deep spawn, or it taps deep spawn. And so did I do the shroud? You shroud and tapped, yeah. and then didn't untap. I lost an extra. Yeah, it, it, it was, uh, that was, you know, the final it was to force it or just to have it. Yeah. Kind of situation. Can you use so if you have the available mana, you can. Oh, and real quick, I forgot to mention if I don't pay it, imprisons destroyed. If you don't so pay it ever, if I if if you attack and the imprison is on the creature, if you attack with that creature and I don't pay for it, imprisons destroyed. If he opts so, not to use, yeah. It, if I opt not to pay, imprison goes to the grave, or he can't pay it. Yeah, or I can't pay it. Okay, but it, but it so only, that's the downside. But it only triggers when they attack or block or block. Or, have to activate an ability. Yeah, yeah. Which we realized in one of our games where uh, he put out my Master of the Hunt. Yep. And since Master of the Hunt doesn't have to tap, I could make that those banding wolves yes. all day. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was not. That which is also cool because you, you can use Master of the Hunt right away, which is mm-hmm. sneaky. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's yeah. very yeah. sneaky. I love Master of the Hunt. Yeah, which sick. I will, again, give Carter credit where credit is due. His Don't recommendation. Do <laughs> Don't do that, man. I'm that one oh, shit, dude. Don't do that, man. Carter and I, we, we have this Don't come into my house. Spiritual bond. Of playing mono green cards and having a weird connection to Lake Forest. and just Yes, that's right. My hometown. We've we've got a we've got a hometown connection, and yes, we both love we both love Mono Green. Love me some Mono Green. And we both love local bookstores. <laughs> and yes, because my mom my mom has worked at the local bookstore. I've probably bought books from Carter's mom without knowing it. Yeah, that's right. She's she's worked there for like twenty years. Shout out to Carter's mom. <laughs> my mom. My mom <laughs> well, she well she like definitely instilled this like love of small business in me, and I think the reason why I'm where I'm at now, working at this little cafe in Logan Square, has a lot to do with like the ethics that she instilled in me. But enough about me and my mom, and more about <laughs> in prison. <laughs> um, you yeah, so you you are kind of releasing your imprison technology to our two listeners. Yeah, but I want five of them, so I'm good. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> He's got the only so rush sign one. Yeah, yeah. you have yeah. the only rush sign one, yeah. so it's like why even bother playing it? Yeah, but I've run it. It's it's it should be fantastic in EDH too because I played in my my regular you know standard EDH deck, mm-hmm. and you just put it on your opponent's commander and you just sit there and you're like, all right, yeah. your Brago doesn't do anything anymore. That's sweet. <laughs> Yeah, just just super flexible. Yep, it's super flexible. That's awesome. And uh, I realized how bad Paralyze is last year against Jaco, and he was playing Reanimator, and I was very close to winning that game, and he was just able to pay, uh, pay the Paralyze cost yep. and then just win. And I was like, oh. You can also, if it's okay. a Dance of the Dead, you can dance for yeah. two to untap yep. instead. Ooh. Yeah, That's good, too. Which is something that I've, been, I've, I've told the story about me <laughs> losing to... That on, on yeah. stasis before, yeah. but it gives yeah. me control over my opponent, acti- right? Actively, mm-hmm. yeah. As long as you have the mana to spend, yep. I the, do. Like with paralyze, if you're all in, 
deep on land destruction, you've got sinkholes and strips, then that might work a little bit better. Oh, I was. I just I still I beat Bob in, in, in two games <laughs> just because I was able to strip and sinkhole him. I mean, I ran four of each. Yeah. I figured I might as well get all your bazaars get and strip, li- nice. libraries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I um I think I played against two kind of focused land destruction decks in the in the tournament. Um I think in, in round one I was playing against someone who was playing ice storms and that was pillages, I was think. Oh, pillage. Pillages from alliances. Oh, no, I know who you mean though. There was someone else playing like Ice Storm Sinkhole the deck. It was it was Ice Storm Sinkhole. At uh, Fall Brawl. At Fall Brawl, yeah. Oh shit. Yeah, it was like a Jund um, oh, land destruction based deck. That's nasty. It was rude. <laughs> Roar's deck <laughs> had rude. Ice Storms, Thermocarsts. Thermocarsts. That's four mana. Right? Yeah. What's that? Is that four mana? I forget. I forget how much it costs. It's just another Ice Storm. Mm-hmm. David, what did you play at the Fall Brawl? So, um, I decided that I wanted to play uh, Titania's Song this year, which was something that I've been interested in for quite a while. Basically, I think Ian and I had tested me playing that like way at the beginning, where I just I like what the card does, and I like this whole like idea of artifact stuff. And for me, like I had played Legacy before, so I had some of the duels still. Like I was not as restricted on mana. I really just wanted an excuse to play my time walk, honestly. That was sure. that was the biggest oh, reason yeah, for doing for sure. this. I want to take extra turns. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I threw it together. Um, I think Ian and I played about a whole like four test games at the Panera yep, by the train Panera station. Magic. Oh, baby. Really great, great times. Took my deck photo fuck. on the Panera table. Yeah. Got approached by a random local mom whose son <laughs> plays magic. Yeah. And you know, it's it's really funny. Like we we like for some reason, Panera is like our most like regular place to play Magic outside of like Chicago. Awesome. And yeah, we we get randomly approached by people, not super infrequently. Yeah, it's like, to one, at least once every. At time. least once every time we're out, someone asks us what we're doing, and they're like legitimately interested. Even if it's like seven p.m. at Panera. Yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> they're closing it down. They're putting the suit back into like the plastic bags that they store all. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, um, so naturally, um, I took my nice solid 05 on the day, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's, and I'm, I'm totally cool with it. Like, I honestly have more fun, like, scrubbing out at an old school tournament than I ever did, like, winning at, like, an actual, like, competitive tournament. Um, I feel like part of it may have just been optimizing the deck more, having more time to really play around with it. Well, what all was in the deck besides oh, the time sure. Sure, sure. Besides, I mean, there's other cards besides the time lock in the yeah, deck. That's one out of 60. But. Right. <laughs> um, so it was a pretty standard pile of, like, Relic Barriers, uh, Winter Orbs, okay. Howling Mines, Ice Manipulators. I'm surprised I went 0-5. That's a decent list. Mm-hmm. You know, it was it went pretty well. I know I made some mistakes, too. I'm going to definitely own that. Um, I was playing against Butson and... He was playing his weird demonic horde pile. Oh yes, with his still energy. With his still energy. <laughs> he actually put two of them on his demonic horde in one of our games. Oh yeah, absolutely wonderful. But um, I had an opportunity to chaos orb his uh, demonic horde, and I figured, well, he doesn't have any lands anymore. He doesn't have any way to pay the triple black, so there's no way he'll be able to untap it, right? And little did I realize that he would still be able to activate it during his upkeep in before response. in response. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So I ended up getting <laughs> stripped mind out of that game, and eventually he found his instill energy, and I was you know dead in like three turns. But being really down like, by demonic horde. Being down by demonic horde. That's sick. That is butts and ask right there. Yeah. It is. But that that was the big reason. Um, <laughs> I had a couple games where I got a little bit mana screwed. Yeah, it happens. That's just yeah. life. Lost the reanimator once. Like. He got a turn one, um, I believe it was a trike that game. Mm-hmm. Turn one trike or a turn one... Um, deep spawn? Deep spawn, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to stop that. Exactly, game. like, there's not much I can do about that. And that's just, you know, those are the lumps you take, you know? Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, again, I I really had fun. Um, Ian and I are actually the the two lone uh, people who have last place playmats from middle school tournaments, so <laughs> yeah. we, we kind of take pride in the fact that we, uh, that we keep losing with these decks, but... Um, you yeah. got the uh, sick signed 
I did. Yeah. The, the Apollo uh, 13 tape. Oh, signed by the crew. Yeah. yeah, man. So that movie was released in 95. And Bob and I went and saw Mr. America with Tim Heidecker on like the night or two nights before the brawl. And this weirdo was just handing out videotapes to people. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, Apollo 13, you know, it's a sick ass movie. Ed Harris rules. Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks is a Hall of Famer. Right. But then I'm like, oh shit, 95. I'm like, this will be a great like door prize. <laughs> for it's a great one. Yeah. And then like a couple people signed it. I'm like, oh shit, we got to get everybody. To everybody. Yeah. What's funny is I'm pretty sure I still have a VCR at home. Oh man. Like my dad is one of those people. I make no warranty or representation on the quality of the playback. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my dad is one of those people who like he's like so like held on to his and like his old old technology. Yeah. Like, he was mm-hmm. a photographer when I was younger, and he really got, like, freaked out by digital and really just by computers in general. Hmm. So, like, he'll still, like, run around with, like, his film cameras. He still shoots a lot of stuff on slide film um, and just has someone else deal with all the technology side of it. Um, I don't think he'll ever give up his VCRs. Like, those are just, like, those little things that, like, make him who he is. But, like, they're, you know... It means that I still have lots of fun old technology in my yeah, house. Yeah, cool. Oh, I get that. You know, when, you know, the, the, the great blackout comes, we're going to be happy that we have our analog. <laughs> we we are so set in case the apocalypse happens. With our magic yeah, cards. We eat these cards. <laughs> with our magic cards, we'll be able to entertain ourselves until we die. Yeah, well, which may not be very long. Which may not be long, but we could. I feel like we would we would last a long-ass time. When other people would go mad, we would have our we would have our... Physical physical media to keep us happy. Really long EDH game. Such oh my god, yeah. We were just like two thousand card yeah. decks. Yeah. Just never ending EDH games. There was a during the early years of Inquest magazine. Do you are you guys remember Inquest or have you heard of it? Yeah. It's a, heard of it. Okay. So back in the day, you know, they were around in the mid nineties. They did an article um, where they four or five of the writers from the magazine got around a big table and they did a multiplayer game of magic where they used Every every player had every card ever printed in their deck. Wow. So it was like a <laughs> two foot tall stack of cards, and they did you know this game, and they wrote about it, you know, for the for the magazine, did a feature on it. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's all that I would say. The, the, that article is floating around out there. I'll see if I can download it or find it and link to it. It's mm-hmm. pretty it's pretty fun read. Yeah, we call that format post apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I own two VHSs myself. One of them. Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Good cut. The Not other one, Ace Ventura Pet Detective 2. <laughs> what nature calls? What nature calls? Dude, oh, the seafarers coming out of the rhino's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember. I still remember watching that for the first time, dude. I completely lost. Face is like He's just remembered. <laughs> <laughs> But yes. I have I have two v, uh, VHS tapes still. One of them is the '95 uh, uh, Star Wars box set, the, which was called the Faces release. It had the first THX mastered sound or whatever. Oh yeah, improved sound. And then I have Hackers. <laughs> oh my God, you have Hackers on VHS. Oh, yeah. I've had that copy for a long. Oh, that's legendary. And then the, the Star Wars was a gift to me when I was in fifth grade, so I've held on to that as well. But. Oh man, Moss! Do you remember ever like buying VHS tape from the Blockbuster after they like oh, went absolutely. rotation? Absolutely, that I was. Had, I, I bought the People versus Larry Flint at one of those. Um, <laughs> I had Pulp Fiction. I mean, just all the crazy movies. Oh from yeah, there. Pulp Fiction. I remember I was at that age where like I still had a VCR in my room, and my family was not ready to jump the ship on DVDs because they were way too expensive. Yeah. So I would just go to Blockbuster every week and wait for those movies I wanted to hit like the two dollar VHS clearance section do you guys remember going to the mall in the video store at my mall in it was called westdale mall in cedar rapids iowa there was a video store called suncoast did you guys have suncoast at your malls here no or? i had a blockbuster I, I visited a suncoast in i think new york once okay and they would have like dvds would be like 29.99 something ridiculous <laughs> and i would like save up paper route money or i worked at a wendy's in high school and i would just blow inordinate amounts of cash on uh like pro wrestling DVDs like <laughs> Cactus Jack Bloodbath versus Terry Funk Fuku, Fukushima Japan deathmatch thing you know and like these illicit DVDs would be like 29 bucks and like but even a few years prior to that so that was like 99 but you know a few years prior to that like the VHS tapes were astronomically expensive to buy new oh yeah like totally 15 you know 20 bucks for a VHS mm-hmm. which that's in mid 90s dollars you know 
My dad was that copy of sorry uh, that copy of Apollo thirteen was probably nineteen ninety nine. Right. <laughs> and my dad was the kind of guy who always he still is. He, you just buy whatever new media thing came out. So he had a laser disc player <laughs> and like four laser discs, and then just immediately got rid of it after he realized it was terrible. He had to flip the laser disc. God. And then we were really early on on uh, on DVDs, and then it stopped. We just had DVDs, and then then we went digital. Um, and we didn't even upgrade yeah. the TV. It was still like a CRT, but with a DVD player. So Beautiful. you couldn't even tell there was a difference. Uh, that's so funny. I remember <laughs> what, what laser disc did you have? Uh, I don't remember. He got rid of that real fast. Wow. What do you think is I the most likely movie to have on laser disc? Because we're talking what two thousand? Oh, I actually I bought a laser disc like ninety seven. Yeah, 90, oh, really? Yeah, ninety seven. Yeah. So I bought a laser disc recently just to have because it was a dollar. I bought Star Trek VI Undiscovered Country. Oh my god, that's the best one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I agree. It's the best one. And that's why I bought it. And it was a dollar. And it's unused. The trial. Man. Oh yeah. The trial, the Klingon trial is sick. You know, back so, when I still lived in Florida, my first time around in college, um, we had like the best Goodwill in the world, like near our campus. And one day they had someone's entire later disc collection with player in the display case. Like I, I want to say it was like maybe four hundred bucks for oh. like the laser player plus like at least like a hundred discs. Oh wow! I can't imagine what they were. Um, honestly, my best pickup from that store was a bootleg Chinese Gilmore Girls series collection on DVD that was like felted <laughs> and everything. It was oh, it was premium for being a bootleg. Dude, I empathize really, <laughs> really strongly with Luke Dickens. I As feel, you should. I feel. I feel like I am that well, man. Carter, just turn your hat backwards and you're basically yeah. there. Like I put like, <laughs> when I when I put on a plaid shirt and I turn my hat backwards, especially when I'm at work at the cafe, I feel I feel truly like like Mr. Danes. You missed that one, Moss. That's, a good, girls, that's a good show. That one wasn't in my wheelhouse. Yeah, no, that's a, I was too busy watching Monday Night Raw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my friend Tommy and I we'd watch wrestling DVDs. Do you keep up on, on wrestling now? Not anymore. I mean, I keep up through conversation with people that keep up religiously, but I, myself, I, I kind of tapped out, pun intended, <laughs> on uh, pro wrestling around 2008. But from like 96, excuse me, from 98 to 08, I never missed an episode of Monday Night Raw. Like, wow. I either watched it or taped it. <laughs> and then like there was the other shit too, you know, Nitro, Thunder, uh, SmackDown. Yeah. Sick. What was, there anything else about magic that you guys wanted to discuss? <laughs> Seems like we're good, huh? Well, what's the future hold? Yeah, what what does the future hold? Are you guys going to Eternal Weekend? No, I'm not. No, nah, man, we're all battling. We're, the we're going to be at the best of the yeah, rest. Best of the rest. Yeah. Um, yeah. So really, like, I think for for both of us, like, I don't know, Ian. Do you think that it's more middle school for us, or do you think we're going to try? delve back into old school stuff again. I found what about Frontier or <laughs> or Pioneer, or Pioneer. Pioneer. Yeah. 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 garbage <laughs> uh, dead on arrival format bands fetches uh, I think I've enjoyed I played Pox in middle school and I've enjoyed middle school as a format more than I think I think uh, more than I have old school and I've played a lot more middle school than I have old school because we've done a lot more events mm -hmm. for that but yeah. it seems like the power level between cheaper cards and expensive cards is not that far. So I don't really need, I don't feel like I need to buy a playset of Mox Diamonds yeah. to be good. That's mm -hmm. definitely true. Yeah. Or And there's no duels. All mm -hmm. the lands are, are cheap, and I bought gold-bordered forces, which are not that expensive, not mm -hmm. even close to as expensive as a regular force is. So well, does, the barrier to entry is low. That's true. Do, does the call of an actual stacks deck kind of pull at you a little bit? I've tried. I would want to do a mono brown stacks deck. I don't. I wouldn't want it, something more akin to the, the vintage stacks deck. I've got mm -hmm. a list I'm brewing. Oh, yeah. I'll show you. Oh, I'd love to see it. Because uh, so, I, I haven't... Well, you, I, it's the gold tier Patreon, but... Um, there you go. <laughs> but, but subscribers, I'm a plug. subscribers get access to Moss's deck, which you could probably find online. I've, in a I've played. <laughs> I've played around with kind of trying to design a mono brown stack stack with with whatever, but I haven't really come up with anything that, that I like that much. Smoke stack is a, although I like playing stacks, is a more confusing card to me than mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, a Trinisphere or a, you know, something like that. Right. In the stacks realm. I like to add stuff and just prevent you from playing instead of just removing things. Yeah. Stacks is in the archetype, not so much the actual card. Yeah. Right. Smoke stack. Right. Um, makes sense. You'd also have to shell out for the for the ancient tombs and the cities of traders. Oh, they're all gold. They're gold border. So yeah. uh, it's like what at most ten dollars each. I so it's, it's really not that bad. Yeah, I guess that's not horrible. Yeah. I mean, I shelled out for three ensnaring bridge for my pox deck. Oh, that's a good one. He's got not, real ones too. Uh, yeah, which was not the originals, which were not cheap. I had to. I sold my Tron deck and bought and bought pox and some other stuff. You know what? That's why I noticed that with Lorian too. Lorian, uh, super cheap when it comes to old school, but will fucking spend on middle school. Yeah, that's his choice. He'll buy the he'll buy the blue duels. He'll buy the intuitions. You know, but he'll play but he'll play white weenie for many years. I think it just um, it calls to some people, and for some for some people, um, you know, like a Tonos's coffin is not worth it, but a hundred dollar ensnaring bridge like is worth it. So, yeah. Yep. I think. I think that's really cool. That just kind of ties into what you value, man. Yeah. Or what trips your trigger. And I, totally. I think I'll probably move into developing my old school EDH deck. Yeah, like I, we'll I might. You out. We're, yeah, playing, yeah. we're playing tomorrow night, but we'll, 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 get, you out tomorrow. we'll get you out to one soon. Yeah, that would be great. Are you like, I know I'd probably buy a moat. Like, I would actually probably pay money for a moat for yeah. old school EDH versus like a, an old school deck. The Fossato. Yeah, well, it'd be Italian, of course. <laughs> yeah, that is a, yeah, that's that's a big one. Yep. Yeah, so it's like, I remember uh, I remember Dom would get shit for that, where, like, instead of buying, like, duels and power, he would buy, like, beta gauntlets of might, you know? Because <laughs> it's like, you know, that's what calls to you. So instead yeah. of, like, buying the Mox... Uh, pearl. Yeah, you're gonna buy the moat. I think that I think that's great. Well, that's the thing too. Is like I feel like for for me, like I've bought like four middle school decks now, like since I started, and um, you know, obviously that money could have been power. It could have been something else. Yeah. But um, for me, like half the time, it's just like I'm gonna ship off a bunch of this crap that's just sitting in my binder to Card Kingdom, and now I can brew this like terrible food chain deck, or like uh, God. Fun. What was it? A few months ago, I was starting to build um, what became the Wizards deck that I played at our last middle school event. Yeah, I love that deck. That so deck was—it's cool. gotten better now. Is that the yeah. one? Which, what about your survival deck? Is that a different one? Oh, that's a different one. Yeah. It, okay. So oh, five color tribal, <laughs> five color tribal flames with survival of the fittest yeah. is like, I would say my favorite deck that I own at this moment. We've had a couple duels with that, right? With yeah, the we five have. color slivers versus the five color tribes. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, those are pretty sweet. Cool. It's it's really like the deck that I, I give to the most people because I think it's just a really fun, accessible way for someone who's never played middle school to pick something up and see cards that they can understand, cards that like are really powerful, like Blastoderm, and then cards yeah. that are like just kind of cheeky and fun but happen to be like absolutely insane. So like I could probably go on forever about how much I love Fleetfoot Panther. Um and I, I hate playing white cards normally, like that's just not me. But <laughs> Fleetfoot Panther is... That is totally my jam. What does that one do? So Fleetfoot Panther is a three-mana creature. Mm-hmm. has Flash, although it wasn't called Flash. It has uh, can be cast at any time you can cast an instant. Yeah. Uh, it's a 3-4. And when it enters, you have to return a green or a white creature to your hand. So in that deck, it serves a couple of really cool purposes. One is it could just be a really good turn two tempo play where you just have a 3-4 on the board on turn two. Um, he helps you dodge some of your removal sometimes. So like uh, if someone tries to bolt my Finthorn or my birds, I can bounce it back. Mm-hmm. The big reason I put it in there was that it doesn't actually target anything. So it lets me reset my Blasted Urns uh, once they're kind of coming down in their fading colors. Oh, neat. Which is really just the rudest thing ever. And, like, I've even had like, games, like, because we have damage on the stack, I can swing it with the Blastoderm, have them, like, shove a bunch of blockers in front of it, and then flee put Panther in, pick up my Blastoderm, kill their creatures, and then replay yeah, the Blastoderm. Man, damage on the stack is so awesome. <laughs> it is. It's, it's so cool. awesome. It gives the Slivers big game, and I'm not going to go down the Slivers road, but other cool interactions like Panther and Blasto are just... I know, those are all just, like, good, satisfying pieces of gameplay right sick. there. Yeah. Like, it's just like, fucking sick. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just so, they're just like, damn, that sucks. But also like, 
I don't know, man. It's just it gets me it gets me riled up. I like it. And yeah. like for me, like as a person like handing the deck to people, like I love seeing my friends like figure that out while they're yeah. playing and like see Unlocking those little, that little forbidden exactly knowledge. or like having them like draw a histrodon and say what the hell does this card do like why would anyone ever play this and why the hell is there a foil in your deck like <laughs> hold over from your old days yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's right i i can't get away from it like honestly it's i still love foils and i i feel like once i've found that i love that deck it's like i can spend the time and start investing into that again mm-hmm. and not feel bad about it plus i have like really bad influences of friends who are similarly minded and just like no just just go buy the foil just do it yeah Boy, as far as bad influences go. Yeah. I don't think you're going to find any of us telling you to not buy cards. So. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, shoot. That's about an hour, boys. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm, sa- I'm, I'm satisfied. Satisfying experience. Congrats on the second place finish. Thank you. Yes. Fucking A. I know it's not... See, that's the thing. I know it's not all about winning and... and but we can't deny, as yeah, as, as I gesticulate. <laughs> um, I, it's you know, it's not all about finishes, that's for sure. But it is nice to get like proof of concept. Yep. You know, definitely. I think everyone deserves their time in the at the at the top, and it kind of does happen that way. You know, there's a churn. There's a there's there's for sure a churn. Um, so. I don't know. I think that's I think that's sweet. So congrats on that. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. What did you learn about playing win conditions in your deck? Oh, they're really good. <laughs> wow. I had no idea you you could like win conditions when you the game. Like that. Well, I want to turn this into just one conversation. Yeah, in my deck, I know. So don't, well, don't, don't I mean, there's a hope. difference between not playing any win conditions, and playing at least one win condition. <laughs> <laughs> so the rule is at least one. Yeah. Yeah. At least one. Currently, my old school EDH deck has zero win conditions because I didn't buy any of those cards. So, <laughs> well, get somebody, ready. Somebody else will will figure it out. Yeah, it's well, all good. Uh, yeah. Well, you'll have a commander, a dragon commander. So oh, I don't yes. plan to cast him. He's just for show. <laughs> well, you, could, you certainly could if uh, if there's yeah. I guess so. At the last option, I feel like I feel like you would also appreciate a Titania song deck. Probably right now. You gotta get with Mr. Bowersox on that. He's he's deep into the lore on that Ooh. card. Really? Oh yeah. You gotta you gotta he's see that deck in person. He won't even take a picture of it, but you have to see it in person. It's uh it's amazing. A lot of artist altars, Ooh. a lot of signatures. Wow. Altars from the artist itself are those are nice. That's really cool. Intense. Yeah. Um but anyway, thanks again for coming on the cast, you two. Yeah, boys. And, and we are thank you for having us. Yeah. It's a pleasure, man. Totally. All right, peace out. Signing off. Yeah.
place to make 